All right, everybody, welcome to Unscripted One-on-One. -on -one. And tonight I have uh, another guest in our, uh, our series in October uh, for breast cancer awareness. And so my guest is Leanne, and I'm just gonna let her introduce herself before we get started. Hi there, I'm Leanne Miller. And um, I don't know what information that you're, <laughs> that you're looking for, but I'm, I'm married to my husband, Dennis, and we have an 18-year-old daughter named Grace, who is a junior at Hilliard Bradley. And um, we've been married, it'll be 25 years this year uh, that we've been married. So we've, we've been through a few things in our, in our married life, um, the not least of which is a battle with breast cancer. Mm. Okay. Well, and you also have a dog. <laughs> and we have a very obnoxious barking dog in the background. <laughs> so uh, because we're unscripted, we'll just, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll roll with it. That's We all have them and, and ours will probably bark before, if somebody walks by, <laughs> ours will probably bark too. So uh, we'll always navigate that. But welcome, welcome. And, and thank you um, as well for, you know, being willing to do this. And, and I shared last night with, uh, with Katie, who was on, um, my wife, you know, did a, a great service by, you know, on my behalf reaching out and, and uh, reaching out to some people she thought whose stories were very powerful and that we could share. And so thank you for being willing to share uh, with this audience, whoever that might be. Um, yeah. Thank you for being willing to share your story. So I, I appreciate you giving us this this forum to do this. I, I mean, this is a, a, a topic that's very near and dear to my heart in a lot of ways. And so I, I just I appreciate you putting this together and, and giving us this opportunity to bring the awareness to it. Well, thank you. I, and I'm, you know, the I just want to share the stories because it's awareness for all of us. Um, whether we're walking through it or not, we all need to be right. aware that, that this is, you know, this is um, something that people are dealing with. And we don't realize that every day when we go to work that somebody could be carrying something that we don't right. even know about. So, um, Absolutely. So with that, why don't we start with your story? Um, start with, you know, wherever you want to pick that up, whether it's okay. early on or current or, um, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with. Can we just start with your story there and, and we'll go? Sure. Absolutely. Well, I think for me, it all, um, it, it started many years ago. Uh, my mom was diagnosed for the first time with breast cancer in 1995. Um, we were in the midst of planning a wedding and, and <clears throat> doing those things. And um, my mom's sister had been diagnosed um, in the mid seventies. So it had been a long time, but, um, but she had, mom had followed and, and done what she needed to do. And um, so but she was able to catch it early and um, had a, a lumpectomy done and some radiation done and, and was good to go. And she found a fabulous doctor down here in Columbus and, um, was, and, and had great success with everything and had no further issues. Um, and then in 2008, uh, she went in for just her general uh, mammogram, her annual exam. She was back to just annuals at that point. And they found a lump on the other side. And so she started the process, started down that pathway again, um, met with the same doctor, and they decided at that point that it was probably prudent to just go ahead and do a bilateral mastectomy and, and just because of the, the being the recurrence. Um, so they did that, got all the cancer. Um, there was no cancer in the lymph nodes or anything like that. So she wasn't going to require radiation or chemo or anything like that. Um, surgery went really well, um, but she opted for a um, reconstruction with implants and so they began that process soon after surgery and uh, her surgery was in December and in the beginning early part of January um, she became very ill and we discovered that she had an infection 
in the um, surgical site from the implants and she turned septic. And unfortunately she fought for 13 weeks and lost her battle to sepsis. And wow. so at that point in the midst of, of that, um, I had started treating and started going and going in for more regular exams just because of the history. And um, I had my first mammogram when I was 27, 28 years old, um, just because it was, I had very dense breast tissue and um, the doctors felt like it was prudent to start the, the exams early. So um, I had been going and, and having mammograms done occasionally. And after mom's second diagnosis, I thought, no, I really probably need to get myself set with somebody that's that focuses more on this uh, rather than just using my OBGYN. So I had just started working for OSU Medical Center in May of that year. Uh, Mom's second diagnosis came in, in November. And so I got in touch with uh, the breast center, the Stephanie Spielman Breast Center, and just kind of told them my story. I talked to my OBGYN, she put a referral in for me. And I started treating with the high risk breast clinic at the, at the Stephanie Spielman Center. and. So they, um, they started right away doing, they were doing a mammogram every year and then every six months, I was going in every six months. So once they would do a mammogram, then the next time they would do an ultrasound and they said, we probably needed to do an MRI. So we did, we started with that. Um, we, they, cause they thought us, they saw a spot then. So they did an MRI, it turned out to be nothing. Um, so she said, well, let's just continue to treat. So I just was going every six months starting in 2008. Um, in 2015, um, they found a spot again that they were concerned about. And so we decided to go in and do, a, um, they did a biopsy and um, it turned out to be, again, nothing. It was just a spot of tissue and it wasn't anything to be concerned about. So that you know it, that was a that experience the first biopsy experience really was terrifying um because at that point um you know mom we'd already lost mom we were you know we weren't sure what was and and i i was pretty confident that at some i don't know why but i was pretty confident at some point in my life i probably would be facing it just based on the history um and then, and the other thing that that kind of increased my chances ironically was the fact that i had never given birth mm -hmm. so um our daughter is adopted and um i had never had a pregnancy and so it, unfortunately that kind of increases your risks um along the way because you don't get that hormone break in your in your lifetime so but i felt like i was in great hands they did the biopsy we got the results fairly quickly it was nothing and we were confident that we were in the clear again. So um, in 2017, uh, my doctor had left uh, the practice. I had started with a new doctor and met with her. And she said, you know, I don't really see any, anything going on, but she said, you haven't had an MRI for a year and a half since your last biopsy. I really think we need to do an MRI again. And, um, and just to be sure, they couldn't see anything with me in mammograms. Um, and very little in ultrasound because my tissue was so dense, um, it, which just increased the chances even more. So we were just being hypervigilant with everything we could do. And so she's, um, I put it off for several months. I thought, you know, I just don't have the time to do it. It's expensive. You know, you just kind of go through those motions of, 
it's not me, it's not gonna happen to me, it's fine. And yeah. I finally, something just told me, you know what, let's just do this and get it out of the way and, and then we'll be, we'll be clear. So they did the MRI, or the, the MRI and again, found a spot this time on the left side. They had biopsied the right side the first time, found a spot on the left side. So they said, you know, we're gonna have to go in, do biopsy again. Um, so at that point, I'm just thinking, this is nothing. You know, this happened before, it's gonna be the same thing on this side that it was on the other side. Um, really wasn't worried about it. I just, I kind of went into it, as I do with a lot of things in life. We've, you know, we've been through enough struggles and, and trials that you just kind of have to face it head on and say, you know what, it is what it is. And we'll cross that, my, my mom, one of my mom's favorite phrases, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right. <laughs> and, uh -huh. and, um, and, and I lost a sister to leukemia in 2003. So, that was another one of her, she used that phrase a lot too. So we had, you know, so we went in for, I went in for the biopsy. Um, they ended up needing to do the biopsy um, in the MRI machine because they couldn't get even to the spot through a, a normal biopsy process. So that process in and of itself was, was stressful. But I really walked out of there that day and I thought, you know what? I'm not worried about it. It's not gonna be anything. It's gonna be the same thing as, as every other time that I've had this done and, and it just was becoming old hat to me at that point because we had been through it. I'd been through it so many times. And so that was, I had the biopsy done, I think on a Monday um, and it was Thanksgiving week. Um, so the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, um, I was at work and it was kind of, it was late in the day. I hadn't heard anything and I thought, well, I'm just going to have to go through the weekend, you know, and they'll call me on Monday. And I hadn't even really thought about it a whole lot because I just, you know, had put it out of my head. And the nurse called me at, um, while I was at work and, and she said, you know, hey, I'm just, I'm calling from Dr. Farr's office and just calling with your biopsy results. And I was like, oh, okay, great. You know, and she sounds all perky and she said, so unfortunately I have to tell you, we did find cancer. And I was, you know, it just, it just hits you, yeah. you know? Yeah, Even and when you said it, it just hit me. Like, yeah, I honestly, yeah. you know that. Wow. Yeah. wow. And it's been it's been three years. It'll be well, be three years this year. Um, and it still hits me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still that kick in the gut. Yeah. Um, but God was in control, and we knew that, and we hit it head on. You know, we dealt with it. We grieved it. We were angry. Mm -hmm. um, but we knew that it was really early. Mm -hmm. They told me immediately, it's a very small spot. It's very deep against your chest wall. Um, and it's, it was less than like 0.5 centimeters it was tiny. It was a teeny tiny little spot. Yeah. Um, but it was hormone positive. So when they, when they look at these things, they base it off of, um, Fortunately, I wasn't triple negative, which is that's the triple negative breast cancers are, are really difficult to treat. Um, so she said in the best of the world, in best of the world, you really are, have the best case scenario. It's small, it's, H -E, it's uh, ER and PR positive HER2 negative. So the HER2 negative is really what you, what you want. That really means something, but you don't want it to be hormone negative and HER negative because then it causes that triple negative and those are very difficult to treat. So she said, really, in the scheme of things, um, it's the, it's the best of the scenarios that we could look at at this point. Um, so they set me up with um, 
Dr. Farr, who's the was the surgeon that um, I was going to be seeing, who is just he's a fantastic, wonderful guy. And it helped a little bit that I worked for the medical center because <laughs> you had a little bit of an in. Um, and so they were going to set me up for um, uh, the surgery and things in um, in January. And I said, you know, if we if there's any way we can get it done here before the end of the year, I mean, here we are in November. If we can do it before the end of the year, that would be great. So I met with him and um, really kind of had to put some pieces together as to what we wanted to do and how we wanted to proceed because because it was so early. Um, they really were recommending a lumpectomy and, and radiation. Mm. And um, when I met with him, um, Dennis and I had talked for years after we lost mom that if anything ever came up, um, I was going to have a bilateral mastectomy. I tried to have a bilateral mastectomy after the first um, biopsy was clear as prophylactic measure. And I, they wouldn't approve it because I wasn't I don't contain, I don't have the gene, um, the, it, they, they do all the genetic testing. And if you have a genetic predisposition, then they can get insurance to cover the, um, the prophylactic mastectomy. But I, I was, I was clear of the gene. So, and we don't know whether mom had the gene or not. We never, she was never tested. So, so we couldn't do it that way. But Dennis and I had always said, and, and made a very clear decision early on that if anything was ever, if we ever found anything, I was going to do a bilateral mastectomy without reconstruction. Mm. Watching what mom went through with the reconstruction did it for me. I was like, I don't, I don't need to mess with that. So we met with Dr. Farr and, and he kind of discouraged that to some extent, which if that's his job, that's what he's supposed to do, least invasive, you know, kind of thing. And once I explained that I had lost my mom to sepsis, I lost a sister to sepsis. Um, and watching mom go through that process, I, I, I couldn't put myself there. And I didn't want to deal with it anymore. I didn't want to deal with the mammograms and the ultrasounds and the, the biopsies and the MRIs and all of that every six months. I, was, I had just was done with it. And that's, it's such a personal decision for every woman to know what they, what they can accept and what they can't. Yeah. Um, for me, it, it really wasn't a decision to be made. It was just, this is what I'm doing and this is what we're, this is where we're going. And if he wasn't comfortable doing it, I would have found another surgeon that would have, because I felt that strongly that this was what was best for me. Um, and I still do, I don't have any regrets on what I did. Um, so he, he agreed that, you know, if that's what we wanted and we both, and Dennis was with me and you know, he made sure that both of us were involved. And um, he said, you know, I completely understand your side of this and uh, you know if this is what you want to do I still want you to meet with plastic surgery I think it's important for you to talk to them and make sure that you have all of your options before you make a decision so we did um, didn't really sway me a whole lot one way or the other um, I did have I mean I, I, I there was a there was a few days right before surgery where I started to kind of question myself am, am I doing the right thing and Dennis is like look we've we've talked about this you know we've been down this road um, don't doubt yourself now, but I think that's all normal parts of the, of the process at that point. So they, um, they set me up for surgery in January and about a week and a half or so later, I got a call and they said, we've got a cancellation on the 20th of December. If you want it, it's yours. Wow. And I said, you know what, let's do it. Yeah. Let's get it over with. I mean, I knew I had this beast 
living and growing and I knew it was slow growing and I knew it was small and I knew it was early, but I also knew it needed to go. And um, so we, we wrapped everything together quickly and I had surgery on the 20th of December of 2017. Um, it was actually very, in the scheme of things, was a very simple, I mean, I was over only in the hospital one night overnight, wow. um, which is incredible. Is still, to me, when I look back at that, I'm like that major surgery, but we did a bilateral mastectomy, um, no reconstruction. And um, I came home the following day. And um, <clears throat> fortunately for me, it had not spread. There was nothing in the lymph nodes. Um, there was no cancer in the tissue surrounding the tumor. Um, so, I mean, I was very, very fortunate, and, but it was all because it was early detection and, and staying on top of those exams and doing those things. So, um, so I mean, I healed fairly quickly, didn't really have any complications from, from surgery at all. Um, and like I said, I really don't have any regrets whatsoever um, on, on the decision that we made. I mean, it's, it's still, it's a daily reminder of what I've, what we went through, but it would have been regardless. You know, there's, you're still scarred. Um, and, you know, people have said to me all the time, well, I don't know that I could be that strong, that I could, you know, could go through that and do that. And I don't necessarily look at it as strength. I think it's just for me, it was what I felt was right for me. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a horrible disease and it's, I wouldn't, you know, it's, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but for me, it was my way of controlling the situation. I wasn't going to let somebody else control what happened to me. Um, I'm going to take it and, and be done with it. And, you know, I, it's healed well and it's, you know, I, I just, I don't, I, the prosthetics that they have now are great and, you know, you, it's, they work and when I choose to use them, you know, and if I choose not to use them, then I choose not to use them, you know, but it's, for me, I know that the chances of recurrence, um, doing what I did, it's not zero. It doesn't mean it won't come back. Right. Um, and that was that was the main thing that Dr. Farr and his crew really emphasized to me is that if you're doing this, if you're making this choice because you think the cancer will never come back, don't don't choose it because of that. Yeah. Um, breast cancer doesn't generally come back in the breast. It mm -hmm. generally comes back in the bone, the liver or the brain. Wow. And so if it's going to come back, taking the breast really isn't, isn't, you know, the preventative measure isn't that effective. Yeah. Um, but the, the chances of recurrence in my situation are only, were only about 7% from, because of the stage of cancer and the grade of cancer that I had. Um, so I started a tamoxifen treatment after surgery and started taking tamoxifen. Um, and that it wasn't, I don't get a huge benefit from that because my chances of recurrence were low to begin with, but um, they they said that it would it would cut that 7% about in half. So it would take it down to about three and a half percent. So it was worth <clears throat> starting the treatment and, and making sure that I could handle the side effects of, of the medication, um, which I have for the most part. Um, but it's, um, so it'll be, like I said, it'll be three years this November since diagnosis and three years since surgery. And um, I haven't had any issues, you know, with with the, anything else at this from from a cancer perspective um, since then. So I but I, you know, I give all the credit to 
the James team and I can't say enough about those, the, the people at the Breast Center and the, at the Stephanie Spielman Center and then Dr. Farr and his team, they are just spectacular. And I, re I recommend them to whomever I can talk to, 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 to go because it's just, um, they really, they know what they're doing and they, they treat the whole body and the whole person and not just the cancer, which is really, really important. Yeah. Wow. Um, that, that is, um, that's powerful. Um, I, I, you touched on a lot of things in there. And I think for all of us, especially any of us that have been with, I, you know, have, have been close to someone that's dealt with cancer. Um, I think we all have that fear. It, it, it gives us that fear of that phone call that day, yep. that moment. And I can't imagine right before Thanksgiving of all time, um, you know, you, cause I don't think you're going to forget that time anytime, but right no. before the holidays, um, mm -hmm. that had to be, that had to be, um, had to be tough at the time. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate you sharing that so, you know, personal level, because I think it's important that we hear that. And, and as you were talking, I'm thinking, and I think you said it again. So you were going in every six months for how mm -hmm. many years? Um, I started that in 2008. So it had been a while. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's, so almost nine years. years. Yeah. yeah. Or nine, uh, year, wow. nine years. Yeah. Nine years. Nine years of just every six months. Uh, mm -hmm. You know that's a that's a routine dentist visit. A lot of us can't get that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, and not not yeah. belittling, but or, or not making no, no. a joke at all. I I can't get in every six months for the dentist because I always find some reason to not make it in. Yeah. Uh, but you know, to have that kind of commitment for for nine years, and especially as you said, you would think after a few years, you're like, you know, this is this isn't worth the time anymore. And I think that's important that yeah. you, you kept after it. Um, and well, I think every time I went in there was something else that came up. I'd have a cyst that needed drained. I'd have, they'd have to do another uh, ultrasound. They'd have to do extra testing. Multiple times I would come home and think everything was fine. And then I'd get a call later and say, you know, we found the thing, something else we need to have you come back and look at. So it was always there in the back of my mind. I think every time I went um, that if I didn't continue to go that the next time maybe Mm. I, I may may regret that and I think that's kind of when they offered when they wanted me to do the MRI and I started I put it off for several months and I finally was like you know what I've, I can't I can't let myself go there because I'll never forgive myself if I wait and don't do this and then down the road we find something and we could have caught it sooner and I think that's that's the most important thing that I think every woman has to I mean it's it's not it's not a comfortable thing to do it's not a pleasant thing to do um, but, and I, I'm still working at my younger sister to get her to, to do it. But, <laughs> um, but I think it's just so, so incredibly important that because when you, when you can catch these things as early as we were able to catch mine, um, it's, it's really not that big of a deal anymore. I mean, honestly, from, from years ago, from, you know, it used to be a death sentence no matter when they caught it. And I think they've come so far with research and treatments and, that not that it's not important and it's not significant because it is right. um but it, it's a lot less significant um when you can catch it at a grade one stage one point you know and they can get rid of it and, and it you know you don't have that follow-up stuff to do yeah so what is your if you don't mind me asking what is mm -hmm. your um current um you know we we said for so every it was every every six months you know mm -hmm. what is your current um 
routine, I guess, for lack of a better term. What What is your current um, path that you have to, how often are you being tested, all those kind of things? So they don't really test at all, surprisingly. Obviously you can't have mammograms anymore. Um, so, I mean, that's, <laughs> I know the last one time I went in and saw Dr. Farr, he says, well, let's, you know, I'll see you back in six months. And he said, let's have your mammogram first. And I was like, <laughs> mm, I don't think that's necessary. He was like, oh yeah, that's not necessary. There's really nothing there to scan. Yeah. So, um, but I see him once a year and then I follow with oncology six months in between. So I'm seeing someone every six months. Wow. Um, and I will do that for the length of the time that I'm on the tamoxifen. Um, so they just want to continue to follow, but they don't do blood work. They don't do bone scans. Um, they don't, you know, there's really nothing, it's all symptom based. So if, if I started having bone pain or joint pain or, you know, something to that effect, they would do further testing. But uh, from a, from a breast cancer standpoint, they don't really do any scans, um, bone scans or anything like that unless you are showing symptoms of, of a problem so um you know the, the most significant thing for me unfortunately was this summer when um i i managed to break my foot falling out of an ambulance yeah there's not very many people that can say that they've broken their foot falling out of an ambulance right my daughter was in the ambulance after a grand mal seizure and i fell out of the ambulance and fractured my foot Oh, no. thinking it was no big deal you know yeah. it's a small fracture well that small fracture turned into a pulmonary embolism that almost killed me oh my goodness and eight, 10 days after I broke my foot I was admitted to the Ross and almost died and so they have attributed that primarily to my fracture um, but also to the tamoxifen use um, right. the tamoxifen tends to make your blood a little more sticky Mm. Um, and, it, and that's kind of the nature of how it works. It, it, the, the cancer that I had grew and feeds off of hormones because it was a hormone-based cancer. So the tamoxifen acts as a hormone blocker and it, it, it makes that blood not feasible for the, for the cancer to grow. So, but at the same time, it also makes your blood a little bit stickier um, to prevent that cancer from catching on and, and growing. So it was kind of a combination of the two uh, the two pieces but um, so I went off of it for a short time this summer um, but they've decided that if, you know as long as I'm staying on blood thinners that it's I'm better off to continue the treatment with tamoxifen and finish out the two and a half years with that and just stay on blood thinners to help prevent the the clots from recurring so but that was a actually I told Dennis I said you know going through going through breast cancer and surviving that surgery and doing all of those things seemed like a walk in the park after going through what we went through this summer with the embolism because it was really it was touch and go for 24 hours of whether i was going to pull through this or, and i was completely conscious and aware of everything that was happening but um it was uh, it was a, a more of an eye-opening i think experience for me um than than the cancer itself because i i knew I think I knew going into cancer, there's a treatment for this. I know what it is. We know how to fix it. We know what to do to make it go away. Um, and, and we did. And with this situation, we had no prep. We had no you know, preparation, no planning, no diagnosis. It was, I blacked out and had to call the squad. And that was, you know, they had to try to figure out what was happening after the fact. And so it really, it, it made that breast cancer journey seem like a walk in the park in the scheme right. of things, which is crazy to me, but um, you know, you just, it, it's just such a, a vivid reminder that 
life is incredibly fragile and you just don't know from one second to the next when something's going to happen and it has nothing to do with cancer <laughs> which is you know your initial reaction when you find out you have cancer is oh my goodness i'm going to die you know that's your that's your gut reaction um but i i can honestly say i i don't think i ever really worried about that with my diagnosis in that point i think because i knew it was early i knew i was following like i should i knew there was nothing there six months ago when i had been in there um doesn't mean you still don't aren't scared but it's i really i never really questioned whether i was going to live or die from cancer it just never really crossed my mind you know it was not something that maybe i just didn't let myself think about that but then going through this situation i'm like oh so that's what that's like <laughs> when people oh. think you know this is this is a, it's a very distinct possibility um and you know hearing a doctor say to my husband in the emergency room if she doesn't have this procedure tonight she's going to die Oh my god. And you yeah. know, it, you just you don't you don't know. And and so then they start, you know, then I started wondering at that point before we really knew it was happening, you know, is this is this a cancer related thing? Is the cancer back and it's, you know, is it somewhere else and we just didn't know it and it, we figured it out fairly very very quickly. So we didn't have to think about that for long, but a lot of people have asked me that when I you know, when they found out the the journey we've had this summer you know, do they think that it could be related to your cancer? And I said, no, there's really no correlation other than the medication. Yeah. Um, there's no correlation um, to that. But um, it really does make you stop and um, and appreciate <laughs> appreciate who you who you're with. Um, yeah. You know, my my husband has been my rock from day one and could not have been any more supportive through any of this and I don't know how people do it that don't have that support yeah, it's just it's so vital to have that support no matter whether it's a spouse or or somebody that you can lean on and and faith I mean I think you know we leaned on that very very heavily through both of these journeys and um, I think you just have to you have to put it into God's hands and I just I just bought myself a new t-shirt the other day that said um, sometimes the things we cannot change end up changing us wow. and and that to me kind of sums it all up um, because that's it does change you it changes who you are and and how you how you view life right. when you go through things like this wow and, and I think you you touched on that there's I think there's times we we have in life and this is certainly a, an extreme example but um, when you're in the midst of it, you just find this other gear that you didn't mm -hmm. even think possible yep. um, until you're out of it or until you, until somebody says to you, how are you doing this? And you're like, yeah, you know I mean? Sometimes I think it's a, it's a, almost a um, peace beyond all understanding uh, mm -hmm. that passes all understanding. I should say, yes. um, I think, you know, God does give us those things in those times when everyone on the outside of the circle is saying, how are you, if it was me, I would be, you know, right. and, um, and then when we're through it, sometimes we look back and we're like, I don't even know how I did that. Like it was, you know, yeah. it's oh, I, yeah. that other next level of peace or fight or grit or mm -hmm. tough, you know, any of the words that you want to, to put in there. Um, you certainly sound like you found that. And the other question I had for you, you mentioned the summer and I, thought it, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that story as well. <laughs> um, this is just because it's a topic now have, has COVID, have you had to, have, you know, have you had to be very careful with, are you susceptible? You know what I mean? Um, does that, yeah. Yeah, has COVID I, I changed anything for you? 
Yeah, I was consider. I mean, obviously, when you have, I mean, I had a, a significant number of blood clots in my lungs, um, and so the, my lungs were very compromised um, from the beginning. So I was tested three times, um, twice while I was in the hospital, and then I've been tested again since then. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a major concern. And when that night, when that had, when I blacked out that night, I, I really started to think that that's maybe what was happening is that I was somehow I had contract because I felt okay, um, but um, I didn't have the symptoms, you know, any of the symptoms of COVID. But um, but they tested me right away when they got me to the ER. Um, and so yeah, I've had to be more cautious mm -hmm. and more vigilant about protecting myself. Um, because it's, you know, you don't, you don't want to, with compromised lungs, the last thing you want is to compromise some other, another way. And so I was, um, I mean, I'm breathing fairly, mo mostly 99% normally now. Um, that happened on the 7th of July. So it, it did take a while before my lungs finally were back to where I felt like I could take a deep breath again. But, but COVID definitely played a part. And I will say that I think the biggest thing for us from a COVID perspective was um, just the fact that we couldn't have visitors at the hospital. And you don't, you won't realize until that happens how much you rely on that um, and how much, how important it is to have that support um, there with. And Dennis was able to be with me from two o'clock till seven o'clock every day and that was it yeah and you know but he had to be super careful too because he's coming into a hospital with you know there may be a covid patient in the room next door you just don't know so um but yeah it definitely the covid thing definitely complicated the whole situation um and it and it wouldn't have probably otherwise you know from a cancer perspective it wouldn't have made a difference but um but from this perspective, yeah, it definitely, it definitely was a was a concern, and still is. I mean, I, we just have to be super careful. Right, and and I think that's why some of us have to remember we got to wear a mask. It's not, yeah. you know, we we may feel fine, our kids may be fine, and yeah. But but stories like yours are reason mm -hmm. why we need to because you know, um, we just need to be aware of those and yeah. those things. So yeah. um, this has flown by. It goes so fast. <laughs> I always just get so wrapped up in the story. Um, before we before we go, what resources would you recommend to anyone? Are there any links uh, if anyone is concerned? Or I know you mentioned the James mm -hmm. uh, and the mm -hmm. Foundation. Um, is there any of those kind of things, or, or some, maybe something that was helpful to you that anyone that may hear this um, can you share any of those kind of things? And I'll make sure I include them in the YouTube post and the blog and everything else. But any links or, or organizations that were very helpful to you. Yeah, I think probably for me, the biggest one was just getting involved with somebody at the James and, and having that connection there because they just really, I mean, I started, that's where I started my treatments and, and exams and everything from the beginning. And um, they really do treat the whole person and not just the cancer. And I think for me, it was, you know, they were concerned about my, my psychological well-being and my, and my physical well-being and my you know my relationships and they you know, they ask about all of that and they offer services for all of that and the the thing the services that they offer after the surgery and after the treatment um are just incredible the you know the support groups that they offer um the there's classes that you can take art classes and kinds of things 
Um, they massage, they offered six sessions of massage after surgery. Um, I went through some physical therapy. Um, so just the resources that they offer you. And if you do have problems, you know, you know who to reach out to. Yeah. The other thing that I got involved in, um, not too long after I was, it was in the spring after my surgery in December was at the, at the Y there's a program, uh, called live strong mm. and it's for cancer survivors. It's a strength building program for cancer survivors. And it's a 12 week free program. Wow. I don't know whether they're still doing it right now. They probably are not right now with uh, all the COVID stuff going on. But um, there was a group of about 10 or 12 of, uh, and we were all, it was all women um, and all different types of cancer. So not just breast cancer, it was all different types of cancer. And we met um, twice a week for 12 weeks um, at the Y and did, you know, all kinds of strength building. They, they kind of let us t try all the different kinds of uh, exercise from the equipment to yoga classes to dance classes to swim or you know water aerobics in the course of that 12 weeks and made some really really great connections with other women that had been through it some of them still going through it and and we've kept those relationships going since then and we keep in touch through text and we were doing breakfast for a long time together like once a month but haven't been able to do that lately but that for me was um was a huge help in just kind of getting my getting moving again and starting to to feel like I was building some strength and and endurance because it does it doesn't take long for that to knock you down when you're when you've had surgery like that so um, I, I recommended that program to lots and lots of people because I just think it's it's such a huge benefit for, for overcoming both the, the, the mental piece of it and the physical piece of it Perfect. Uh, those, those are all great resources. And I think your story is a powerful one that, um, again, I don't know who's going to hear this, see it, right. do it. Um, but I do hope that if it changes one person or helps one person or guides one person, um, I, I just keep thinking as you were talking, the only word that I can think of is warrior. And we hear that a lot or, yep. the, you know, battling cancer. And, and yep. those are phrases that I, you know, we hear a lot, but I, I just the fact that you would go every six months um, especially when it was almost, you know, it almost probably felt like, and I know we've already said this, but I just want to come back to it. It, it probably almost felt like this is not necessary. This mm -hmm. is, you know, there's probably other things you could have been doing, but you stay diligent. Um, mm -hmm. Even, you know, without the, the fear or, or thought that this, this could happen, you stayed after it. And then the, the other thing that really I'm, I, I took away from what you said is, you know, I, I used this phrase last night, it's an uninvited guest. No yep. matter what form of cancer it is, yep. it's not invited. It's not wanted. It's um, so. So I, I was thinking of that as you were talking about, um, you know, the decisions that you all had to make, how you were going to go through, what process, and why you would do that. And it's almost like this person in your house and you want them out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't invite you in the first place. Yeah. You know, but not to yep. sound rude, but it's it's you know, I didn't want you in the first place in my home. Get out. I, I you know, that's yep. would be my. I think that's, that would be my, um, my thought on it would be get out. Like you're not welcome yeah. people and, and whatever that means or looks like, then that's what we got to do and, and evicted in a way yeah. your home. And so, um, I, I applaud you for those, those tough decisions you guys had to make too, as a family and even, you know, individually. So, um, and I think, I think really the thing for me, I, I think I think I struggled with the most, not necessarily was my, my own feelings and my own thoughts on this was yeah. was watching Dennis go through it because and I remember that with my dad um, too that when my mom was diagnosed 
it, it is such a challenge for the the man in the relationship to deal with this um you know by nature you want to fix things <laughs> and when things come up you want to fix it mm-hmm. and it can't be fixed right. and i think we really i mean it, we both really struggled with that because he i know felt guilt mm-hmm. which he shouldn't have but you do you right. know and the fact that he had to watch me go through all of this um and not be able to fix it and make it go away right. and and i finally just had to say to him at one point you can't you can't fix this and it's not yours to fix you right. know we, we, there's people here to fix this but it's not you um but that really it really weird it was it was really really exhausting for mm-hmm. you know for both of us because we were and we i kind of went through the same thing this summer you know going through what we went through this summer and um and just that you know you and i i would be the same way i think if, right. if the tables were turned mm-hmm. um but we're more of the nurturer whereas right. as the you know he's more of the i want to fix it and make it go away right. and so i you know i would say that you know if you're when people are faced with this um make sure that you're you're recognizing that piece of it with your with your spouse or significant other sure. um and really in making taking care of them at the same time that you're taking care of yourself because it is you both go through it it's not just the it's not just the cancer patient that goes through this it's it's all of you together that go through right. it right and i i could i could understand that i think because so many of us you know embrace or or want our role is the provider protector and mm-hmm. we couldn't do either um right. provide a solution and i can't protect you know my spouse in this time that would be very difficult so i can yeah. understand that from his perspective certainly yeah. um that would be really hard but at the same time that's really powerful what you said is that um you know make sure you take care of others mm-hmm. you know, I, I i don't worry about me like take care of you you know yeah. that's the best thing i need is i i would need my spouse at 100% or you know whatever right. you get get back to but um that's amazing that you would think of your spouse in the midst of of that fire too yeah. uh, that's really amazing. So, yeah. just an incredible story and um I'm so thankful that that it, it has been good news. Uh every yeah, right? I'm going <laughs> I'm going to be cheering every 6 months when you go back uh that yeah. we continue to have, you know, great news moving forward and um I appreciate your outlook, the, all the information and all the feedback um and again, I hope that this helps even one person. Uh, right, absolutely. Then then it, it's worth you know coming on and sharing your story and I again I I know we don't know each other well and so for you to come on and share that with a in essence a complete stranger is um and and then anybody that would would hear it or see it right. uh, that'll be a stranger as well um <laughs> that is that takes a lot of courage on your yeah. part and uh, I'm I'm honored that you would do that for this uh for this and for anybody that might see it Thank you Aaron I appreciate it Absolutely. Well, you all will be in our prayers. Um I know Heather's close and uh, yep. <laughs> and so I'm I'm sure she will uh, she will continue to uh, to keep me updated on on anything yep. as well, but uh you know, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming thank on. You. Thank you for sharing your story and thank you for being with us tonight. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Have a all great right. evening. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.